Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray always, always, always that you're doing well. God is on his throne. It doesn't appear that way to many people, but uh, it didn't appear that he was God when he was on the cross either. But he was, and he is, and he died for love of us, to save us from hell, from sin, from Satan, to, for all, and rose from the dead. Um, to give life to all who will come to him. And as things get worse in our world, um, unbelievably worse all over and in the church, um, Satan is um, not even yet having his full reign. He's not even yet having his full reign. Things, I'm sorry, I got something in my eye. Things will get worse. And it's time, I've said this many times, to gather your family Take your children out of school, if they're in public school especially. Live as a family. Start to prepare yourself for having no electricity and no food. I don't, um, I'm not coming to you as an alarmist. I'm just reading news reports, not from people of faith, from all over, including people of faith. Uh, People have asked, uh, I think I mentioned once with caution that those who have taken the vaccine will die within two years. Uh, I don't know that. I don't know that it's true. Uh, When I did say it, because people have asked, when I did say it, I said that it was what one doctor said. I do not know that is true. if you want to go on an internet on a, um, a search, um, on an internet search, on a, on a search uh, machine, you can type in, will people die in a year or two when they get the vaccine? You're going to get all kinds of articles up that says they will, but that could be absolutely false and fake. I heard it from a doctor. I don't know that it's true. I'm not looking to frighten people, but I'm looking for us to have reality and the vaccine, which is not a vaccine, it's a pathogen to go through your body, and if not kill people, absolutely maim or alter them. Um, uh, that I do believe. As far as dying, many people have. Whether anyone will die in a year or two, I don't know that. I mentioned it once, and I almost regretted mentioning that because people hear something and they run with it. Um, I cannot say if that's true. I hope it's not. I don't think it is, actually. Um, But I do know that the vaccine is utterly destructive and that the people who have uh, invented these things called the vaccine, it's it's a dangerous serum through your body. It has metallic in it. It has all kinds of things to destroy you. And um, it may or may not, but um, again, I cannot say Uh, But I I ask you to be smart. If you've taken the vaccine, not to live in fear at all, but just stay away from boosters. Um, And again, have a stockpile of water for that's going to last at least six months and food and other things not to be not to be afraid, but to gather your family and live through the times that are coming. I 
know people are going to say, Mother Miriam, you're scaring the world. What's your problem? Well, you know, um, uh, it was Edward Burke who said the only thing needed for evil to prevail is for good people to remain silent. I'm certainly not going to remain silent if I know something, even if I'm ignorant. Maybe I've bought somebody's report, and I've I've bought it, and I shouldn't have, and I'm passing it on to you, and you're angry. Well, um, I don't pass a single report on to you unless there are many reports from good people that say the same thing, people I know and trust. So maybe other people aren't saying it, and many bishops, including the Holy Father himself, are um, telling people that it's our moral duty to take the vaccine. They are wrong. Can the Holy Father be wrong? He certainly can, and he is. Is he still the Pope? I believe so. I, I can't d- d- determine anything else. Um, there are people who don't believe that. I cannot say that. Um, but I do know that the Pope is a man, fallible as we are. He's weak, he's sinful as we are, and the only time he speaks uh, absolute truth is when he is protected by the Holy Spirit from speaking error. That is the gift of infallibility. The Pope, it doesn't make the Pope infallible as a human being. It makes what he says infallible only when he's speaking in matters of faith and morals from the chair of Peter. Then the Holy Spirit um, uh, does not make sure he says truth. It's really a negative gift. The gift of infallibility says that the Holy Spirit will will protect him from speaking error, which is to protect us, the sheep. The only thing that's binding on us is when the Pope speaks uh, on matters of faith and moral from the chair of Peter, ex-cathedra, ex-cathedra, pronounced both ways, um, and uh, it's binding on the faithful. All that's been uh, handed down from the church for 2,000 years, um, we must obey. We must obey. And people say, well, I don't know what level of infallibility all the teachings have. There's a wonderful book called Fundamentals of the Faith by Ludwig Ott, O-T-T, Fundamentals of the Faith. And it's fantastic. And it'll go through the entire teaching of the church and tell you with every level of infallibility and certainty, each doctrine is proclaimed. It's really a magnificent, magnificent resource. Hold on, please. It's a good book to have. Um, And the other good book to have is our catechism. And I prefer, we prefer here the Catechism Explained, which is the Catechism of Trent, um, fully and wonderfully uh, expounded on. So I I absolutely recommend that. If you have the current catechism, that's fine too. Um, The Catechism Explained was highly recommended by Father Chad Ripiker. We got it and we were going through it and it's really magnificent. But we here, you and I, are in the middle of um, uh, This is the Faith by Reverend Canon Canon Francis Ripley. Um, And it's a magnificent book. And I I apologize for being uh, or having to run encores most of last week. I truly apologize when that that happens. But we're live and we're going to be as far as I know. We shouldn't miss a program this week. And our last uh, subject 
was on on religion that religion is a right it is a fundamental need of man and religion is a relationship with god um we're coming near the Lenten season, and I won't speak on that yet, but how could you have more of a personal relationship with God than to receive him body, blood, soul, and divinity um, into your mouth every day or every Sunday whenever you go? There's no more personal relationship with than that than to receive God as our very food, truly and not symbolically. And then to have such a relationship with him that he wants us, that he invites us to go through his sufferings. When you love someone, you want to suffer with them. You want to know what they're feeling. You want to go through it with them as if it would almost lessen their sufferings, be a comfort to them on a painful journey. And our Lord invites us, the ones who put him on the cross, to go through um, the wilderness journey with him, um, which Satan didn't send him into, but God sent him into that wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Um, uh, to And then the writer to the Hebrews would say that he was tempted in every point as we, yet without sin. He knows what it is. He was 100% God always, but 100% man, not 50-50, 100% of both. He's God, he's entitled to be 200%. Um, there's nothing more personal than that, you know, than to be invited by the one who loved us from the beginning and who will love us to the end um, and who has caused us to love him. There's nothing more intimate than to be invited into his sufferings, into his very life that he lived and died for us. And Canon Francis Ripley says, duty to God, the creator, is more important than duty to man, the creature. But duty to God implies duty to man. In fact, duty to man will only be properly fulfilled by those who are faithful to their higher duties to God. Very often, or right at the end of this chapter, and then we go on to the next. <clears throat> Very often, the reasons alleged by the irreligious and unbelievers are mo no more than smoke screens covering up the fact that they have not the courage to practice religion because true religion would come into conflict with the gratification of their human passions. If religion is true, they would have to change their lives or go to hell. That's what Canon Ripley says. They would have to change their lives or go to hell. Very, very few pastors today, very few priests and bishops are willing to say that. But love speaks the truth. Faithful, says the psalmist, are the wounds of a friend. The former, um, um, changing their lives is unthinkable to them. The latter is very unpleasant. Hence, they raise a smokescreen of arguments, which is an insult to ask an intelligent man to even consider. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll be back and continue this. We're going to finish this little chapter today and begin on the next, which are the sources of religion. Um, and um, after the second break, we'll take your calls, your texts, your emails, with anything at all on your heart. In advance, I'll give you the toll-free number is one 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross. Dot com. We'll be right back.
My name is Nathan Wigfield, Executive Director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. Our goal is to help people experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change their life. The Catholic Church teaches us that the Liturgy of the Hours is the prayer that Christ Himself, together with His body, addresses to the Father and that its purpose is to sanctify each day in the whole range of human activity. That means every time we pray this prayer, our relationship with Christ is deepened, we are united to the faithful of every time and place, and our entire day and work are made holy unto the Lord. To learn more about the prayer of the Church, please visit liturgyofthehours.org or call our retreat center at 814 676 1910. Hey, Jim Havens here. I'm host of The Simple Truth, which airs every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. The focus of the show is authentically receiving, living, and handing on the simple truth of Jesus and his Catholic Church in a down-to-earth, no-nonsense manner. The guests are phenomenal, and each weekday has its own theme, always encouraging us to take the next step in our faith wherever we may be. It's The Simple Truth, every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that and through your programs I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am she, and I am live, and I'm thrilled always, always to be with you. We are at the end of Chapter 3 of uh, This is the Faith by Reverend uh, Canon uh, Francis Ripley, and um, on the subject of religion, uh, which is to have a relationship with the living God. Uh, he says at the end of this last chapter, multitudes of men today are indifferent to the practice of religion. They boast that they are Christians. In fact, they claim to be proud to have fought during the war against Hitler for the survival of Christianity. But how do they differ from the pagans? To the personal practice of religion, they are quite indifferent. In other words, they are indifferent to God. Yet they say they believe in him. Hence, there is no excuse for them. And dear ones, God says that in Romans chapter 1. Um, um, Canon Ripley says, They do their duty to wife, children, friends, but their main duty to God is completely neglected. Morally speaking, this is criminal. For as long as God is God, and we are his creatures, religious duties, definite, private, public, social will be obligatory and the right thing to do. And I say to all the uh, politicians or anyone who says religion is a private matter, it is not. Um, 
that I believe, as some say, uh, I don't believe in abortion, but I'm not going to uh, stop anybody else from their right to kill babies. Um, They are not religious. They are not Catholic. They are not Christian. Um, What they believe is in the devil's camp. Um, What you believe is what you live. If you don't live it, face up to the fact that you don't believe it. Um, uh, And you are not going to heaven if you steer others in the wrong way. Um, The conclusion, Canon Ripley says, the conclusion is obvious. Religion matters more than anything else in life. It is the one supremely important thing. It must occupy the most important place in every person's life and actually in the life of every nation as well. We're on now to chapter 4, which is the sources of faith. First, the church and the Bible. The church and the Bible. I remember uh, the staying of Martin Luther, who uh, spurred on the Reformation, left the Catholic Church, um, uh, took out several books of the Bible single-handedly, and married a nun who also left her vows. Um, uh, And the church is the Catholic Church that our Lord established 2,000 years ago. The um, Canon Ripley says the modern heckler at the platforms of the Catholic Evidence Guild is ready enough to admit that recent popes have encouraged Catholics to read the Bible. And I meant to say earlier in bringing up Martin Luther that he said if it were not for the Catholic Church, we wouldn't have the Bible. And he's right. Um, <clears throat> And so um, the modern heckler at the platforms of the Catholic Evidence Guild, this is again last century, is ready enough to admit that recent popes have encouraged Catholics to read the Bible. But he contends that in the Middle Ages, the Bible was never given to the laity. On the other hand, Ruskin in Stones of Venice wrote that the medieval church taught scripture to her children, but that the Catholic church does not do so today. The truth is that the church has always regarded the Bible as her treasure and has at all times taken the most practical means to make it understood by her children. During the period of the Roman Empire, the people mostly literate heard the Bible read aloud at the services by a person specially ordained for the purpose, such as a lector or reader. We have lectors or reader today, readers today, but they're not ordained, neither are they trained to read the Bible, and the scripture is being um, uh, what, uh, debauched, I'm looking for the right word, degraded. People don't understand it, they don't even hear it. Children are reading the scriptures, that they have no right to read them. Um, it is, it is, um, it's, it's really an atrocity. It goes through me uh, like a stab every time I hear most people, most so-called lectors reading the Bible. I remember a story um, years ago of a great orator who was coming to address an audience and he was, he had memorized Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And he stood up there and he recited it, and he got a standing ovation because his recitation was so excellent. Standing ovation. And then there was a little old man in the last row or something like that, and he also knew it by heart, and they asked him to recite it. And he did. And no one applauded, and no one stood up, 
and there wasn't a dry eye in the place. And the great orator said, I understand what happened here. I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. You see, dear ones, dear ones, the scriptures need to be read by those not only who know the shepherd and love him, but who read the scripture as if it matters. Were I having one person read one passage for, um, uh, for Mass, and would of course not in the Latin church, that would never happen, but even the Novus Ordo, if they read one passage from the book of Hebrews, I would not allow that unless they read the entire book of Hebrews or Maccabees or whatever they're reading in order to understand what they're reading so they don't just read as if they're reading a novel or any piece of literature without any meaning or understanding at all. It's an atrocity what's happening today, dear ones. The copies used for this purpose at Mass were naturally rare and jealously guarded. This is back in the day, guarded because they were all copied by hand. I remember going through, I said this before, I don't know how long ago, in my Protestant church, when I believed sola scriptura, that the Bible was our only authority, even though the Bible didn't say so, um, we were taught that because it was authoritative, it was the only authority. Well, we were wrong. Um, but I remember I was in a four-year mission program and I was supported as a jail chaplain for 10 years by the missionary program of that church. Um, And I remember reading one particular book um, that went through the history of the scripture and it said in 1405, it shocked me, so I haven't forgotten this little piece of information, uh, there's only 5% of the world that was literate. No one could read, and very few people could write. And if they had a copy of the scriptures, they had to write it on some kind of papyrus paper, and it took them a year to do so. One year. It was No, I'm sorry, it didn't take them a year. It took them a lo- longer than that, but it cost a year's salary to do such a thing. Um, we just figured that what we have today, everybody always had, and they don't. They didn't have a copy of the scriptures. There are still people today who don't have a copy of the scriptures. There's still languages in which, into which the scriptures have not been translated. There are still people who cannot read or write. So again, uh, I'll reread this. During the period of the Roman Empire, the people mostly literate heard the Bible read loud at the services by a person especially ordained for this purpose, a lector or reader, but specially ordained for this purpose. The scriptures were respected. They're hardly respected today. The copies used for this purpose were naturally rare and jealously guarded because they were all copied by hand. Most of the early copies were on papyrus rolls. I said all this before reading it. Um... But when parchment came into use, the Emperor Constantine had 50-50 copies of the entire Bible made. After the fall of the Roman Empire, illiteracy grew apace. Priests, monks, and nuns continued to copy the Bible, but the church found that direct reading of it was less useful for the faithful and so devised other methods to impart knowledge of the Bible to her children. These were pictures, statues, mosaics, mystery plays, sermons, etc. Since the invention of printing, 
the church has done everything to make the Bible known and loved. Translations have been multiplied. Cheap editions have been issued. And the popes have written many great letters urging people to read the Bible. Through her liturgy, which is daily filled with scripture passages, the church still brings knowledge of the Bible to the people, and she urges that the Bible be used as the subject of private prayer and meditation. The Catholic Church, dear ones, the Catholic Church today is, is today the greatest defender of the Bible, not only against unbelieving rationalists, but against Protestant attacks. Professor G.H. Betts, B-E-T-T-S, a Protestant university professor, sent out 56 questions on religion to 1,309 Protestant ministers and to five Protestant theological seminaries. In their replies, 2% of the Lutheran ministers, 38% of the Baptist ministers, 60% of the Episcopal ministers, 65% of the Methodist ministers, 56% of the Presbyterian ministers, 83% of the Congregational ministers, and 92% of the students of the seminaries denied or doubted the divine inspiration of the Bible. These are statistics from 1951. And it comes from the publisher of This is the Faith, which was published in 2002. Before dealing, however, with the divine inspiration of the Bible, it is necessary to show that it is an authentic document, really written by the authors to whom it is ascribed and at the time claimed. It must be shown, too, that when history is being related, The books of the Bible are actually reliable historical documents and that they have come down to us unchanged. For our present purpose, it is sufficient to confine ourselves to the New Testament and especially to the Gospels. We ask, are they authentic, historical, and unchanged? Everyone, if you're listening to this, if you're an atheist and if you're a Catholic, You must know your faith. An atheist does not know his faith. No one would claim to be an atheist without claiming to be God. And that's absurd. That there's no higher being that created him or her. It's an absurd thing. Absolutely absurd. There's nothing intelligent in that claim. So, we go first to the Gospels, which are authentic. And this is so important, beloved. Many people say, well, I haven't had time to study my faith like many of you do, or teachers, or priests, or others, uh, professors. Um, I can't prove these things. I believe them, but I can't prove them. Well, we're about to show you um, and to tell you, or get the book yourself, This is the Faith, how that they are authentic, how The scriptures are the very written word of God through men, but superintended by God. Men moved by the Holy Spirit who wrote those scriptures so that everything is true, 100% true. Um, But this is the close of our first half hour, dear ones. So when we come back, we'll continue this tomorrow and take your calls when we come back. 
Are you holding on to an old car or truck because you think dealers won't want it? Then consider donating it to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. This is a great way to turn your unvalued vehicle into a powerful gift for Catholic Radio. You'll be taking part in our evangelization efforts to continue spreading Christ's love throughout the world. Our Lord uses Catholic Radio to draw more people to Himself, and one of the best ways to support the Station of the Cross is by contributing to our vehicle donation program. The process is safe and simple. Your generosity will greatly benefit our mission to bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners. To find out more or to donate your vehicle today, visit thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's the stationofthecross.com or 1-866-628-2277. Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I grew up Catholic Church. I haven't been in the Catholic Church for decades, but I'm in the process of working my way back for the simple reason that I needed a place to listen to pro-life, pro-family messages. Catholic Radio is it. It's a place to hear that message without all the political bias and all that that's going on on News Talk Radio. It changed my life. It's the only station I turn on. The Catholic station is an answer to prayer. It, it couldn't be more fulfilling. It's helped me learn more about the faith, and it's helped me to deepen my faith as a result of that. It's on continuously in my house, day and night. You can't imagine how much I receive from that channel. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together. I always let you know that it's my, my favorite time in the program when we can speak together. And the toll-free number, our lines are wide open always, toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have a, um, a comment, a uh, question, rather, from Valerie from faith, Facebook. And she says, Mother, when you have an opportunity, would you please teach about Methuselah and Enoch? Thank you. Well, um, off the top of my head, Methuselah was the um, uh, longest living person in, in all of Scripture. Um, and he was the father of Enoch. Um, and they were the... Um, uh, of the generation they and then let's see uh, i think enoch methuselah was the father of lamech and lamech i think of noah i'm looking up an article here that is going to um give us a little more information and confirm or deny what i've just said um <clears throat> there in genesis 5 is methuselah And it says he was and is the oldest man to ever live on this planet. According to scripture, he lived up until the ripe old age of 969. I've always remembered that figure as from my early Protestant years because it's just so amazing. And um, 
And then it says perhaps what's even more significant is how God used Methuselah and his life to give an indication as to the coming judgment that was to befall the people of the time. And that is the flood. Of course, he was, um, I think, the grandfather of Noah. Let's look at that. The genealogy in Genesis 5 presents Enoch as Methuselah's... Did I say the other way around? Um, uh, Oh, I'm so sorry. I think I did. Enoch is Methuselah's father. I think I had it the other way around. Enoch is Methuselah's father. Enoch was 65 when he gave birth to Methuselah. Then Enoch lived another 300 years before God whisked him away. And that section of scripture, plus Hebrews 11, 5, indicates that Enoch did not taste death, but was transported directly into heaven due to the fact that he walked so closely with God. And and the Hebrew of that, that's in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says that he pleased God. To walk with God is to please God. They're one in the same. And I remember reading in the book of, of uh, Wisdom that God took Enoch early um, um, uh, it, because he so pleased him. Um, and he took him out of the corruption of the world. Let me see now, what else does this say? Um, following on, we have Methuselah, who was 187 years old when he gave birth to Lamech, who was L-A-M-E-C-H, who was Noah's father. Lamech was 182 when he gave birth to Noah, and Noah was 600 years when the flood waters came. So, if you read Genesis, you'll get the whole story. Um, here, I think... Um, they translated Methuselah's name into its Hebraic meaning. It was tradition back in those days for a child's name to mean something of value, um, whether negative or positive, depending on certain factors around the time of the child's birth. Um, uh, Methuselah converted to its original Hebrew, uh, translates, his death shall bring judgment. And that's what he predicted, the judgment of God, which was the flood. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to read this whole article, but um, let me see. I think um, uh, when the appointed time of his prophecy was up, uh, God, when the, when the exact time, um, his death shall bring judgment, when that's, and it's exactly what happened at his death, um, God used Methuselah as a reference point in counting down the days until the first worldwide judgment upon the evil of the world. When the appointed time was up, God released the floodwaters, and only Noah and his family, who were obedient to God and accepted his grace, were saved. <clears throat> um, and I recall, as you probably do as well, our Lord saying that when he returns, it will be as in the days of Noah. People will be eating and drinking and making merry and no idea that the destruction will come upon them. We're, I think we're pretty close to it, Valerie. So um, uh, we need to repent. Mo- Noah spent 120 years building that boat and did not make one convert, not one convert, but he was faithful and successful because he believed what Mother Teresa of Calcutta said, that God is not impressed with success, but in faithfulness. We need to be faithful to God. And we need, whether we see it or not, to know that we are under 
an enormous judgment now, much, much greater than the flood, and um, it's coming upon us now uh, in small ways. We don't consider what's going on small, but they're small compared to what is ahead of us. Mother, how can you say all that? Just read the book of Revelation. And it, it's, we think the time is now. Um, okay. Facebook comment uh, from Charlene. Charlene says, please speak of the vax in regards to church approval. The Pope is wrong by saying it is a moral obligation, but many churches are not granting religious exemptions because they say it is approved by the church. How does Jesus view this? What you bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Does Jesus approve it too? This might be a stupid question. There's no such thing as a stupid question, Charlene. Don't worry. But many of us Catholics need clarity. Thank you so much for addressing this. Um, <clears throat> when our Lord said, what you bind on earth will be bound on heaven, number one, has to do with a situation of forgiveness. Um, and uh, in the Gospel of John, um, if, if the disciples, uh, the apostles... Um, who have been given the ability to uh, forgive the sins of the sheep. What they bind on earth will be bound on heaven. In heaven, if you go to confession and the priest says to you, you are not forgiven, then you are not forgiven in heaven. If he says you are forgiven, then you are forgiven in heaven. You say, yeah, but he may be a corrupt priest, but he may, be, he may not know what he's talking about, or he may not really know my heart. Maybe I'm telling him I'm not a grave sinner, and maybe I am. Don't worry about that. The priest who led me into the church said that the priest does his mo- most important work when he's not himself. There's twice at least when he's not himself. One, when he takes bread and wine in his hands, and says the words of consecration over that bread and wine, this is my body, this is my blood. I've said earlier, if we could see with our uh, eyes what our faith understands, we would not see the priest, because it is Christ who says, this is my body, this is my blood. And just at the Last Supper, the same, when our Lord picked up unleavened bread, the matzah, from the Passover table, and he said, pronounce the words over bread, this is my body, Bread obeyed and became his body. And he picked up the chalice of wine and he said, this is my blood. And wine obeyed and became his blood. Just as at the beginning of creation, he said, let there be light. And there was. He creates by his word. It is Christ, the high priest, who says through the human priest, this is my body. And that bread becomes, he is both the high priest and the victim. And it becomes him. And we consume him. Because, um, because of nothing we could ever explain through all eternity, but because God is love and wants to bring us to heaven. And it's the same in the confessional. It is not dependent on the holiness or even a state of grace of the priest. It is Christ, the high priest. God alone forgives sins. He's chosen to forgive them through an ordained priest. But the, the priest can be sinful. He could be in a state of mortal sin. It is yet God who says to that priest, I absolve you. You can trust that. You can trust that. And if he does not absolve you, you trust that also. And so, um, okay, how does Jesus view this? It's been a, the vaccine has been approved by the church. It has not. 
the vaccine has never been approved by the church. There is not a priest or a bishop or the pope himself who can approve that vaccine. It's it's a moral evil, and it is not approved. We have been told it's a moral obligation. It is not. It is not. Um, It is not ever a moral obligation to take a vaccine that is made uh, on or with or tested by uh, the cells of an aborted child. There's no way. You don't do evil that good may come. There is no way. It is not approved. People say it is. The, more, the Pope says it's a moral obligation. The Pope is wrong. He's been wrong about many, many things. He brought Pachamama into the um, uh, Vatican, and um, uh, Bishop Snyder said it's the most, uh, the greatest abomination since the worship of the golden calf by the Hebrew people in the Old Testament. And so, no... Do I trust the Pope as the Pope? I do. Many disagree. I can't, I'm not smart enough or in a position enough. I cannot know that he's not the Pope. I do not know that. But I do know that he's brought great confusion to the church. And if he talks about a moral obligation to receive the vaccine, he is wrong. Uh, He's part of this evil, one world, so-called reset and government plot. And uh, we must not obey that. We never obey evil. We only obey what is good. Um, and so the church has not approved it. Members of the church have, but they're wrong. And we do not have to obey evil. We have an email from Ken. Ken says, hello, Mother Miriam. I'm sorry, I picked up the hiccups again. I'll just see if I can do something about them during the break. Ken says, I was wondering if you knew of a good book, website, or another resource that I could use to gain a better understanding of the book of Revelation. I came back to the Catholic Church in 2015, but for the previous 20 years, I learned that what I, I know of Revelation from a Protestant point of view, that's not good. What I am trying to figure out is a timeline for the events described in it, any suggestions would be appreciated. Thank you, and God bless you. Oh, there's a fantastic book. Um, in fact, St. Therese of Lisieux said it was her favorite. Um, and I, it's uh, something, it says something in its title of the end of the world. And it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and so you might pick that book up. I'm going to see. I don't have it with me. I'm going to see if I could look it up during the break. Something to do with the end of the world. And again, it was St. Therese of Lisieux's favorite. Not, I don't know if it's a favorite book, but she said it was one of her favorite books at least. It's a wonderful book. And it describes uh, the events to the second coming of Christ. Um, I'll see if I could look that up. There is a website called Countdown to the Kingdom. Um, I think Mark Mallett, Daniel O'Connor, many people will not agree with that. Many people won't want to go there. Uh, They don't agree that it's authentic. I cannot tell you how authentic it is, but Countdown to the Kingdom is matching scripture with the events of today. It doesn't make it uh, infallible, but it's a website that... um, Uh, I think we can take a look at, even if we don't uh, put our whole uh, trust in it. 
and then I would try to get that book that um, I'm going to look up during the break, Ken. And there's the music for the break, so I'll get started and uh, see if I can do something about my hiccups. And we'll be back right after the break. Beloved, again, the, the lines are wide open. Call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Beloved, this is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross thanks our financial supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization not affiliated with your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we're able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on the Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show. We're happy to be with you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We strive to keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and a look at the news stories of the day that you need to know. Join us on the Catholic Drive Time Show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. That's on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. God love you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live. Um, dear Ken, um, this is our last segment, by the way, so you have 10 minutes or so to give a call in if you wish. Toll free 1 877 511 5483. The email is mother at the station of the cross.com. Dear Ken, uh, you wanted to know a good book um, uh, to help you to know uh, God's 
uh, timeline, prophecies, all of that of the book of Revelation. Um, <clears throat> by the way, the book of Revelation does not have an S on the end of it. Many people say Revelations. It's not. It's Revelation. Um, and um, uh, dear Daniel uh, called in, or Danielle, I'm not sure, with... Um, with the very book I'm thinking of, and I'm looking actually uh, at the moment on Amazon, and it, it's there. It's titled, The End of the Present World and the Mysteries of the Future Life. The End of the Present World <clears throat> and the Mysteries of the Future Life. It's by Charles Omignon, A-R-M-I-N-J-O-N, and Susan Conroy, and perhaps others. Let me just see if I can read... Um, St. Therese's statement, she said, um, reading this book was one of the greatest graces of my life, St. Therese of Lisieux. So hopefully uh, that will help you. And again, the website, uh, Countdown to the Kingdom, I think is, is quite good. I cannot tell you about its accuracy, um, but I, I think they uh, have a good... Uh, sense of the timeline compared to scripture and the events that are happening now. Jesus said, you see the sun, you look at the sky and you know the weather tomorrow. How come you can't tell the signs of the times? And I think he wants us to. Um, We have a Facebook comment by Christine and she says, so the vaccine is not approved by the church, but the Pope, pastors and priests say it is. That's right, Christine. That's right. Um, we are in evil times, and uh, the Pope and pastors and priests and bishops, uh, I think they've lost their faith. I don't, I don't know, I can't speak for the Pope um, as uh, from the chair of Peter, but he's certainly not speaking what is true in that, in that case. Um, they say it is, and they're wrong. Uh, who are you, Mother Miriam, to say that the Pope and priests and bishops are wrong? Who do you think you are anyway? I'm just a Catholic, and um, I know that we cannot do evil to to do good, to create a greater good. We cannot. Uh, Any uh, vaccine that is manufactured, I said before, or tested with um, uh, fetal cells and people there say, well, there's some vaccines that don't have them. Yes, but they have to create new batches, and to create new batches, they are tested with fetal cells from aborted babies. Um, I'm not going to have my life saved by a baby that was killed and murdered. Um, and no. And so um, the fact is also, if you will take some time to look up problems or dangers of the vaccines, you will come across so much evidence that this vaccine is a killer. It is it will destroy our bodies, maybe never with some people, maybe overnight with others. Thousands have died from it. Hundreds of thousands have died from it. Uh, other people have been maimed, maimed for life. Um, <clears throat> look up all the articles on LifeSite News on the vaccine and its effects, or just go to a search engine and say the, the horrors of the vaccine. You'll bring up all the evidence you need. Um, We are in an era, Christine, uh, which is unfortunate. It's not the first time in history where we have a pope who is not speaking truth. We have pastors and priests, bishops, who 
uh, are more concerned with power and controlling the people than with saving their souls. That is a fact. That is a fact. And again, if you read Peter, First and Second Peter, you will see that at the end times, our Lord himself said um, that at Paul, Apostle Paul's letters to Peter, uh, St. Peter, the first pope, that in the end times, um, evil destruction will enter the church. As Pope Paul VI said um, last century, the smoke of Satan indeed has entered the church because it is the church. And men's hearts will grow cold. Um, even the elect will, if possible, will lose their faith. And uh, even the, the clergy will grow greedy and all of that. So, I, Christine, I believe we're living in this time where no longer can we trust that we're being told the truth by even the Pope or bishops or priests. Um, we need to study our faith and know the truth. And we need to seek out good men like Bishop Athanasius Snyder, like uh, Archbishop Vigano, um, Cardinal Burke, um, Cardinal Mueller, Cardinal Zen, Cardinal Francis, uh, Seurat, rather, um, and good, solid, holy priests of God. <clears throat> we have an email um, <clears throat> from Amy, who says, do you have any suggestions as I keep getting turned down by religious orders because I have a debt? By the time I pay off debts, I may not be alive anymore. I'm 47 years old and just longing to join any order that will take me. God bless and love you, Mother Miriam, praying for you that you are all well and wrapped safely in the Blessed Mother's mantle and in Jesus' sacred heart. Oh, Amy, God bless you. Um, you cannot enter a religious order, including ours, if you have debt. Because once you, we don't earn a salary, we don't charge a penny, even for conferences we give or classes we teach, we don't do anything. We just rely on those who wish to assist us in existing to help save the family and teach the faith um, totally by donations and we never have fund drives either or that we need to um, maybe and, and I ask you to I'm not putting down a Station of the Cross or Life Size fund drives you, you must support them you must um, but you, once you enter a religious order you cannot pay off your debt so my suggestion to you is um, once you've, if you've been accepted by an order, uh, but they won't take you till you've paid off your debt, the Labore Foundation will help you. Labore, like the last name Catherine Labore, a foundation, will help you to raise money to pay off your debt. That's one thing. Another suggestion is that if your pastor supports you, um, he may allow you to speak uh, after communion. Uh, at at the Mass, uh, not before communion ever, but after when the Mass is over at the place of announcements, uh, or he may announce or put a message in the bulletin that you, you wish to enter religious life and you've been accepted by a religious order, but you have this debt to pay, whether it's $100 or a million dollars. There are people who want to help. Um, <clears throat> let's see, There's there are other... Uh, there's another organization that I cannot think of at the moment who will also help. And so, um, Amy, if God has called you to religious life, I cannot tell you that, but if he's called you to religious life, um, then he will provide a way of that debt disappearing. He will. He will. 
uh, some, I don't know what your debt is. In fact, when we send out vocation questionnaires, we ask if someone's in debt and how much they're in debt and how they plan to pay it off. Some people have houses and cars to sell. Some people have family that want to support them. It sounds like you don't, but there are your parish, your diocese, um, the Labouret uh, organization, and I can't remember one more, but do a search online. There are people who um, can help. If you are called, God will have that debt paid off. I believe that. Okay, Amy, God bless you. God bless all of you. And um, God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow morning. God bless you.